Hello, hello, everyone. Good afternoon on this eve before Passover. Amanda Grace here with you. We have a power-packed, profound hour, and I'm going to encourage you to send this to your pastors because they have to hear what's about to be said. Eric Metaxas is here with us, and I'm going to bring him on in just a minute or two. Chet is out and about. Grace is out and about. Eric requested the birds be released, so I have released them into the office. So I'm going to open up in prayer, and then we're going to bring Eric right on. So Father God, in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lord, we come before you, Father. We praise you. You are almighty God. You are high and lifted up far above every power, principality, and might. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise due your name. Father, we humble ourselves before you this day, asking that the pull of the flesh becomes less in our lives, so you, your will, and your power become more in our lives. We acknowledge you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to the earth, Yeshua HaMashiach, in the form of a man, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the Passover lamb, the sacrifice for our sins. He died at Calvary. He purchased us by the shedding of his blood. He rose again in three days, ascended back into heaven, took his place at the right hand of the Father, where he victoriously rules and reigns forevermore, Father. We honor that before you this day. Father, we invite your presence in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, to fill this place, Lord, to fill where we are, Father, in Jesus' name, to lead and guide us in all wisdom, counsel, might, power, and the reverence of fear of the Lord. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, by the spirit of the one true living God, may only the truth and power of Almighty God with authority come forth in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we take authority and rebuke every plot, scheme, contract, slander, and interference, censorship, Father God, that the enemy and his agents would attempt. And we command, Father God, to be bound and cast back to the dry places, pits, and areas which you have designated, Lord, to be bound there in the name of Jesus Christ and not return, nor have anything sent in its place. Lord, take all the glory for yourself. You are the potter, we are merely the clay, and you are the author and finisher of our faith. You deserve all the glory, honor, and praise that is due your precious, holy, perfect name, Father, in this hour, we cry out to you, Lord, for our nation, Father. We come humbly before you as your people. You say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal, hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Thank you, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's bring on Eric Metaxas, who wrote an incredibly powerful book. Hello. How are you? How I, are you, my friend? I'm a little embarrassed that I have no animals in the background. We're going to have to arrange for that next flying, time. I don't flying, know. We'll flying around, <laughs> around the room. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't mean to appear so formal. I, I, as I was saying to you before, I have to go to something right after this, and I'm going to I'm going to be cutting it close. I said, why don't I put on the tie before, you know? So, uh, Amanda, you just, it gives me joy to, uh, to talk to you. Thanks for having me today. You know, Eric, you wrote, and by the way, you look very dapper, so it's perfectly fine that you're in a suit and tie. Uh, so you wrote an incredibly powerful book, which we're going to put up on the screen. It's called Letter to the American Church. Uh, and I suggest that you get this for your pastor, that really every pastor in America should read this book because it is it is that powerful. It is that profound. Um, and I'm going to, Eric doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this right now because I've been praying about this. But for the next week, if you email us at the hello at arcofgrace-ministries.com, your address, we will, we will buy you a copy of this book. 
Whoa. We're going to buy a copy. Yep. If you want it for your pastors, give us your pastor's address. We'll have it sent to your pastor. So whatever you want to do for the next week, email us at the hello email and we will be glad to do that. So Eric, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Let's talk about how the Lord called you to write this book and why this book had to be written. Well, you know, it's funny because you hear Christians say these things all the time and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like you don't believe it. But then when it happens to you, it's it's different. Yeah. Um, we all know that if we open our lives to the Lord, he steers us and guides us. And then we realize he created us from before time he, in our mother's wombs. He appointed things for us to do. So the new book, it, which is my shortest, the shortest book I've ever written called Letter mm -hmm. to the American I Church. Mm -hmm. I realize that, well, two things. First of all, I have never felt like a, a prophetic burden, like I have to write this thing. I have to write mm -hmm. this book until this book. Yes. All the books that I've written before this, I have definitely felt like I'm in the Lord's will. I mean, I've got stories about some of them where the Lord really directed me. It was so obvious that he called me to write the Bonhoeffer book. And the, yes, but there was something about this book. It was like a burning passion, like I must write this like I was kind of crazy thinking I've got to write this. I'll probably just publish it myself. I just got to get it done. I need to get it in the hands of some pastors. The Lord will use it. The Lord. I, it was really unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. You know, because I don't I don't swim in the prophetic the way you do or some others do. This was one of those things where I you know it was not a rima word. It was nothing like that. But it was a, a clear knowledge that I have some things that the Lord wants me to say for his purposes in this generation. And at the heart of it is a parallel I'll explain, but is that I was saying before how, you know, the Lord has prepared, there's all these levels of how God speaks to us and through us, whatever. I realized, okay, the Lord called me to write this book, but the Lord called me to write the Bonhoeffer book, the longest book I ever wrote, which is the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer speaking out, uh, as the Nazis were rising or whatever, the Lord called me to write that book. Now that was different. It wasn't like I had a burning thing. Like I had this, but it's so obvious in retrospect, I could not have written this book unless the Lord had created me to write that book. That was because, the foundation. Be mm -hmm. Because just so people understand what I'm saying in the 1930s, because I'm assuming some people will, they don't know anything about this. And I'll tell you, in the 1930s, as the Nazis were rising in Germany, this is in the beginning, before anybody had a clue where this is going. Very easy for us to go like, what do you mean where it's going? The Nazis, they killed Jews. They No, no, no. This is way before anybody could have had any clue. Nobody's talking about that. If you had discernment in the spirit, if you were grounded in the scripture, you knew that what the Nazis were saying was, not just unbiblical, but antichrist in deep ways, right? Yes. Well, yes. Bonhoeffer, a German pastor, a young man, and he's the one I wrote my book about Bonhoeffer. He saw kind of before anybody like where this is going. And he felt a compulsion to wake up the church in Germany. He knew that the church is the conscience of the state. And in Germany in the 30s, very similar to America today, it was a thriving, sophisticated, uh, culturally advanced 
civilization. This is not, we're not talking about some ancient period or whatever. We're talking about Germany. Okay. My mother, who I talk to every day, you've met my mom. She grew up in the, in that Germany. And the church at that time was very comfortable. They were a very powerful institution in the same way that, that the church has been in America. And they could not conceive that this kind of evil could come to their nation. No way, no way. So when Bonhoeffer discerned that the church needs to stand against the Nazis, the church basically said, no, we don't get it. Uh, we don't believe in getting political. Uh, we think you're being a little bit of a hothead. Why don't we just see how it goes? Bottom line, some people have heard the phrase silence in the face of evil is itself evil. When it's time for the people of God to speak up and they are silent, they are complicit with the evil. So the story of Bonhoeffer, now my new book, the short book, Letter to the American Church, is all I, I explain all this, is that Bonhoeffer knew that the church, if they stood as one, and if they were the church, if they behaved like the people of God with heroism, with courage, mm -hmm. they could have stood against the Nazis. But as we now know, they didn't. So when I wrote my book about Bonhoeffer, the 600-page book, the longest book I ever wrote, I said, there are some curious parallels here. It's kind of creepy. Now, this is back in 2008 when I was writing it. So the years have passed. And about a, a little bit over a year ago, I said, what I saw coming prophetically mm -hmm. has come. The American church is now being charged by the Lord to stand and to speak for God's purposes yeah. against all of the wickedness, against wh whatever it is. It's never the same way. It's never the same thing twice, right? So it's we're not talking about, you know, nationalism. The, the people on the left think it's nationalism. It's, it's globalism. It's mm -hmm. globalism. It's cultural Marxism. It's transgender madness. It's open mm -hmm. borders. It's the idea of America is racist. The idea of borders is racist. The idea of, in other words, wherever you look, critical race theory, Madness has been unleashed on a level that none of us could comprehend. And basically, the church is being silent. Now, when I say the church, you and I know there are many Christian leaders who are not being silent. Mm -hmm. There are many uh, churches that are speaking. But most of the church in America today, exactly like the church in Germany in the 30s, is saying, you know what? We're going to take a pass on this one. We don't want to be political. Romans 13, it's open and shut. We're supposed to obey the governing authorities. We're done. We don't need to get, we don't need to have a conversation about this. And by the way, we don't want to be divisive. We don't want to lose any big tithers in our congregation. We don't want people to get upset. So those are the excuses that were given in Germany in the early 30s for the silence of the church while the evil is rising. And of course, their other excuse was, Who's to say where this is going to go? We don't have a crystal ball. It'll probably be fine. The pendulum swings back and forth. Germany has always had a good relationship between the church and the state. We don't need to stick our necks out. We don't want to get canceled. We don't want the Gestapo to come out knocking at our door. We don't want to. So they had all these excuses. And Bonhoeffer tried as a prophet of God to wake up the church. He wasn't the only one, but he was one of the principal voices. And the bottom line is, we today can look back then and say, hey, how did that go? What happened? And we know that the silence of the church in Germany opened the door to hell on earth. 
the we just the Jews that were killed is is, is uh, but it went hard. way beyond that. It went way beyond the Holocaust. I mean, we're talking about millions of others killed. We're we're, we're talking about a level of satanic evil. It, it wasn't just bad. It wasn't just political. This it wasn't just war. It was satanic evil. Mm-hmm. And the key is the the pastors that said, "Well, we don't want to be political. We just want to, you know, keep our heads down." They thought back then, just as many Christian leaders think today, if I keep my nose down, they'll leave me alone. Nobody will bother me. I'm just going to, I'll be a good boy. I won't, I won't bring up this issue or that issue. I don't want to bring up any issues that might get me canceled. I definitely won't talk about the vaccine. I definitely won't talk about election fraud. Only nuts would even bring that up, but I'm not going to talk about anything divisive. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wade into the transgender stuff. That's divisive. I'm just going to quote unquote preach the gospel, which is a bunch of baloney because there is no gospel. You're preaching baloney if you think that you can stand in a pulpit and avoid all these issues that are on the heart of God because they're affecting people. Human beings are suffering when we're silent on these issues, when we're quiet about critical race theory and all these things. Uh, And so I felt you know, about a year, year and a half ago, I thought I have to write this book. And all I can tell you is I, I knew, you know, because the Lord called me to write this as a warning to, to the church today. And, and when I say a warning, I mean a last minute warning. This is not like a warning sometime in the future. This could happen. It's happening now. Yes. And I say that when, when people say many times I've, I've given, you know, like probably hundreds of talks on Bonhoeffer and people always say, so how did that happen? And I've come to the point where eventually I would say, I'll tell you how it happened in Germany. It happened exactly as it's happening right now, exactly in the same way. Nobody saw it. They kind of thought like, that can't happen. It's, we're not supposed to be political. We're going to be good. We're going to be quiet. We're not going to be divisive. That lie from the pit of hell it is. opened the door to Satan being able to, able to take over. And the, an image that I often use, which, which kind of helps people understand you think of Gulliver being tied down by the Lilliputians, right? So Gulliver's giant, the Lilliputians are tiny, but he's sleeping and they're tying him down with little ropes. If he yes. wakes up at any point, it's game over for the Lilliputians because he can crush them at any moment. But if they can keep him sleeping, keep him sleeping while they're tying him down, at some point when he wakes up, doesn't matter. Game over for Gulliver. He can't do anything. That's the church. That's the church in Germany. The Nazis knew, Hitler knew, if we can keep the church asleep a little bit longer, if they wake up, we're in trouble. We're not going to be able to get away with this. But if we can just keep them appeased, if we can keep them asleep so they don't take action, they don't get activated, then we'll be able to pull this off. And the moment will come when we will have the power to crush the church because the goal of the Nazis was to crush the church. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And they would never say that publicly because they were very smart. They said, well, we're not going to advertise. You know, Satan comes as an angel of light. He doesn't say I'm evil. He says, no, I'm good. And the Nazis were able to keep the church asleep just long enough, long enough until finally it was game over. And the book Letter to the American Church, it's my I, I wrote it to Christian leaders to basically say, listen, this is us now. Good people are getting this wrong. And unless the good people can understand this and wake up, I'm not talking about the woke 
nuts that are already working against the gospel. There are churches like that, yeah. obviously. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who think there's a safe middle path. There's and you not. know, there's a I gotta I gotta mention this. There's a a number. There were 18,000 Lutheran German pastors in the 1930s in Germany. This this is this says it all. And then I'll I'll shut up for a second. 18,000 German Lutheran pastors. 3,000 of them stood heroically against the Nazis taking over the church. They saw yes. that the Nazis are trying to take over the church and, and trying to kind of like gut the church from within. They stood heroically against it. On the other yes. end of the spectrum, there were 3,000 totally pro-Nazi churches. They were like, they'd be like the equivalent of woke churches today or whatever it is, completely off the, the, the reservation biblically on every level, right? But if you do the math, in the middle, there were 12,000 pastors who said, Number you know 12. what, we are going to, mm -hmm. we're going to take a pass. We're going to, we're going to, we're not going to choose. We're going to, we're just going to stay in the middle, kind of see which way it goes. We don't want to get in trouble. Romans 13, we don't want to be political. And I realized that if any number of those 12,000 in the middle had spoken up, didn't need to be all of them maybe another 3,000 of them, if they had stood boldly with the 3,000 heroes, that's where we are in the American church today. We have tons of churches, mega churches, all kinds of churches where they mm -hmm. avoid this stuff. So they're not preaching wokeism, but they've opened the door a little bit. They've said, we're not going to take that on. Oh, we're, we're not going to be political. We're not going to mention anything divisive. And the reason these things are happening to us now is because of those in Germany, it was 12,000. In our country, of course, it's many more. But it's those in the middle. I'm appealing to them with this book to say, would you consider this? Because this happened, and it's happening right now. It, it, you know, it's interesting because I had written down, I wanted you to talk about the 18,000 pastor, uh, pastors, because it reminds me, I believe it's 2 Kings chapter 18, when Elijah has the people of Israel at Carmel, and he goes, how long will you falter between two opinions? And they spoke not a word. They That's didn't it. stand up at that point. So it's interesting. Now on page 37, this is what, of your book, this is what Bonhoeffer said. It said, Bonhoeffer said the church was the conscience of the state and must call it to account that it must loudly object if the state was doing wrong. It could not and must not remain silent when injustices and wrongs were being promoted and enacted. And on the eve before Passover, you know, we are reminded that Moses and Aaron were required by God to loudly object because Pharaoh and the state of Egypt were doing wrong. Wow. That's that's interesting. Obviously, I hadn't thought of that, but that's I guess that's why you're here, Amanda. You have these <laughs> thoughts. That's kind of amazing. Listen, this is this lie has been in the church from the beginning where, where people say we don't want to be political. We just want to be religious we just want to be theological and you think no if you believe in the god of scripture you're supposed to bring him and his values into every sphere of life you don't say we're just going to stay in our little theological lane where it's safe we're just going to do church no the church is supposed to go outside the building of the church and go into all the world not just to preach the gospel but to 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 preach the good news and to preach the justice of God and the truth of God about sexuality and about anything. We are supposed to be his army bringing his love and truth 
everywhere, but there are many people they've got this crazy idea that no, we're supposed to just be in this little religious corner. We don't want to leave this little religious corner. And by the way, they have that kind of church in communist China. You go to communist China, they'll be like, yeah, go into your little building on Sunday morning. These are official churches. We'll give you permission to go there. You do your little rituals. And when you come out, you bow to the secular authority of the state. You bow to Caesar. That's not you know, being the church. It's interesting you say that because I talked about this last night on Grace Out Loud, but I'll talk about it again. There, there's a part where Jesus has a confrontation with the Pharisees. And they're trying to, to entrap him. And he knows this, right? And he asked for a coin. Remember that this account right, where he asked right. for a coin. That's famous. And he says, who's on the coin? And they said, Caesar. And he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Now, what people, many people don't realize about that, that is a politically charged statement because in Rome, Caesar was thought to be God. So what Jesus was saying is Caesar is not God. There is a line. And he was basically pointing at the Pharisees saying, you're giving more to Caesar than you're giving to God. You have bowed to Caesar more than you've bowed to God. But right there, Jesus made a very uh, radical statement. I mean, that is, it's like if you didn't know that he was God, when he there's a, many statements that Jesus make, they're just mind blowers. They're mic dropping, mind blowing statements like, whoa, the depth of that statement. But it's interesting because he doesn't say, don't give Caesar anything. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Like, yeah, obey the laws. You know, that, that there's, a, there's, a, there's a place for that. But give to God the things that are God's. What is God's? Everything in me belongs to God, first and foremost. So, so, so we are being told right now. And again, there are – I'll give an example of, of – how bad it is in the American church today, because if people are following you that, you know, they're hearing truth from you. I know, cause I know you and I know who you hang with, but there are innumerable churches across this country. They're playing it safe. Mm -hmm. When this book was just about sent to the publisher, the new book letter to the American church, I got in the mail, a book from Zondervan. Cause they think of me as some kind of, you know, I'm an e evangelical influencer. So they, once in a blue moon, they, they send me a book. They sent me a book by Andy Stanley oh, and boy. that book is called not in it to win it. And it says exactly the opposite of everything I say in this book. I forced myself to read it just to understand. And I, and it was, it, it's a monstrosity because it's using scripture. It's twisting things. It's misunderstanding history. You know, when you say like, well, you should behave just like they did in the first century, uh, you know, in Rome, it's like, excuse me, many patriots have died so that we would not live under the yoke of Caesar. We govern ourselves in America. People have died so that we could have liberty. So we now have a mandate from God to govern ourselves and to govern in a godly way. So the idea that I should just shut up and obey Caesar or obey the governing authorities, and by the way, on some level, who are the governing authorities? We're the governing authorities. We're self-governing. We elect yeah, our leaders. So the, the misunderstanding, Andy Stanley's book was such a horror, but it gets worse. I went on the Amazon page and I saw that, that, that this book, which is going to give millions of American Christians the excuse to do nothing, to, to, to stand by while evil takes over. That book had an endorsement from Jim Daly of Focus on the Family. 
And I said, this is a nightmare. Jim Daly's like a good guy. I've known him for a long time. Good guys are getting this 100% wrong. And it was no different in Germany. Everyone who let this happen, they were not evil. They allowed evil, but they themselves got it wrong. And some of them woke up eventually and said, okay, now we see we should have spoken up, but it's too late. And that's why I believe the Lord called me to write this book, because we are on the verge of too late in America. If you're going to a church that doesn't get this, get out of that church or give the pastor the book and say, would you please reconsider that we are in a moment that the Lord is calling us to action. He's calling us, you know, to, to be activated in our faith, not to just claim, well, I believe these things. And it's just between me and the Lord. If you believe what the scripture says, it's supposed to activate you to be a citizen who is going to, to bring God's values and purposes and will into everything. And so when you, when people say like, oh, well, I'm not supposed to be political, you think, well, that's not biblical folks. That is not biblical. When, when we stood against the slave trade, Wilberforce, I wrote a book about William Wilberforce called Amazing Grace. He stood against the slave trade. He says, this is an abomination from hell. And as a Christian, I, as a politician who's a Christian, I'm going to work in politics against the slave trade. We don't say, oh, he should have kept his faith out of politics. He was bringing his faith into politics for God's purposes. And you see it in the abolitionist movement in this country. Many churches... Um, because of their faith in Jesus, they stood against slavery. Many other churches said, you know what? We don't want to be divisive. We're not going to take a position on slavery. And can you imagine that a, a man of God in a pulpit would say, that's not a gospel related issue. I'm just going to let that one go. You think God's not going to hold you responsible for keeping your mouth silent because of people are going to suffer because of your silence. So in America today, we have exactly the same thing. We have young people suffering because of transgender propaganda, the insanity of that. We have cultural Marxism destroying America. We, you know, this just as well as I do, because, you know, you're hanging out with Clay Clark and those folks, they all understand this, but yes. there are pastors in America that will not touch this stuff with a 10 foot pole. And that's ultimately God's charges to the church. And you said it, Bonhoeffer said, the, con the church is the conscience of the state. So if you're going to a church that doesn't get that, either they need to get it quick or you need to get out of that church because we are in a war for the soul of this nation. And if you think what happened in Germany was bad, we have less excuse and it's going to be worse in this country. We've only tasted a little bit of how bad it can get. Because most people don't have a clue. They think, oh, everything will be fine. It always goes back and forth. No, it didn't go back and forth. In Germany, the pendulum swung all the way yeah, until did. millions were murdered. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll say a couple things here. First of all, the, the battle for the soul of the nation. I'll never forget when I heard this come out of Joe Biden's mouth when he was running. And he said, we are in a battle for the soul of the nation, right? And I felt the Lord going to me, Amanda, tread cautiously here with what you're thinking, because it was kind of comical, because, because in the Bible, the Lord spoke through the mouth of Balaam's donkey, right? So I said, well, if the Lord could speak through the mouth of an ass, he could speak through the mouth of Joe Biden, I guess, and have the truth come out of really, because the enemy really wants the soul of the nation. So the plans of the enemy was really being purposely revealed 
allowed to come out of his mouth early on. But, you know, a lot of pastors who don't want to speak up and who want to slink back and who want to tiptoe and who want to coddle and who want to, they don't understand the history of the pulpit in this nation. Because no. if you go back to the Revolutionary War, right. the King of England feared the pastors more than he feared the generals. He feared the pastors and they would stand there and they would rally the people to fight against tyranny and they would strengthen their faith. And then a lot of them would take muskets and go into battle to help isn't men it, in Isn't battle. it funny? I mean, how we have, I, I think what it is part of it, and you know this, Amanda, is that we're soft. We have been so spoiled and so blessed in America that we've gotten really soft. We don't have that warrior spirit. We feel like, well, that's for another generation. The yeah. Lord calls every generation to go to war for his purposes. And uh, we are a generation that's been so blessed in your lifetime, in my lifetime, that we, we haven't ever seen that I need to choose. I need to live my faith yeah. now. I need to risk my life. I need to risk uh, everything that I have because every other generation has been asked to risk things for the truth, to stand for the truth. Uh, young men through the centuries have laid down their lives for this nation so that we could have the ability to talk about these things right now. And I think we've, we've lost that. And so there are a lot of churches that uh, they're sort of feminized and soft and they think, well, we don't want to be like John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist was a little toxic. We don't really want to be like Jesus turning over the, the tables in the temple. We just want to be nice and civilized and everything to be sort of domesticated and manicured and clean. We don't want to be wild, but the Lord we serve is a wild God. He's the Lord of hosts. And we, we in America have gotten this really, really wrong. And the parallels to how the Germans got it wrong are so chilling. I mean, that's literally why I wrote the book. I said, the parallels are unbelievably chilling. And if we take history seriously, what happened then is happening now. And the only question is, are you, whoever you are, and your pastor and your church, which side are you on? Because if you say we're not taking sides, you're on the devil's side. You just don't know it. Well, exactly. And it the same spirits that were behind, those same demonic entities that were behind raising up um, that leadership in Germany is the same one. It's the same spirit trying to do it here. It's just disguised itself a little different. And if we think about out of the 18,000 pastors that you speak of, 3,000 of them sided with Hitler and his agenda right. and supported it, right? Right. So the church of God is coming into agreement with the man that had the altar of Pergamum rebuilt, the throne of Satan, to give his speeches from. The church is supporting that. 3,000 of those pastors well, this is what's so amazing to me is that we're, we're living through it now and people act like, well, Hitler, that yeah, they were crazy. It, the exact same thing is happening now. Did we ever dream even five years ago that there would be drag stream, grad queen story hours? Some of these drag queens look overtly demonic. They don't just look weird uh, or feminine. They look overtly demonic and scary and we this is a, a, a level of madness. Now, I believe the Lord is allowing this to wake up the remnant, to wake up a holy remnant for his purposes in, these, in this day. But we can't really 
look back at history and say, well, that happened then, but it can't happen here. It is happening now. Did we, anybody ever dream that anybody was, would, would, would put forward insane propositions like borders are bad. Uh, we should defund the police. Who's going to suffer if you defund the police, the poor people, the poorest people are going to suffer. I mean, the idea that a man could become a woman or a woman could become a man. The most Americans know these ideas are preposterous, mm -hmm. but the question is, does the church have the courage to speak against it. it? The Lord has called his people to stand against this first and foremost. So this is a, an extraordinary hour that we're living in right now. I have to say it's an extraordinary hour. And I, I wrote the book really as, a, as an urgent warning, trying to reach those in the middle, trying to reach those that aren't there yet. They're kind of confused. I want them to understand biblically this is the right thing. This is not some conservative idea. This is not some MAGA idea. This is biblical. Right. If it's not biblical, throw it in the garbage. But Amen. it's biblical. And so I, I try to make the case for those that are, you know, they're nice guys, but they're just not ready or they don't know. They're afraid. And I'm, I'm really here to say that th this is your hour. You have to choose. It is. It's a valley of decision. It's it's the hour I think we're approaching a, a, a Red Sea moment where, you know, where it doesn't look like uh, there is a way out. But but the Lord does something unprecedented, especially for the Passover, when they had the exodus out of Egypt and they come to the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his army are at their back. And it the the Lord, uh, Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He stretches out his staff and the Lord parts the Red Sea. But it was something they didn't expect. They thought it was over. And yes, the Lord will allow a certain amount to also set a trap to bait the wicked to come yes. on in. He'll make it look really good. He'll make it look, you know what it is? It's what happened in the garden all over again. You're touching what you're not supposed to touch. Haman tried to touch what he wouldn't want to touch. Pharaoh tried to touch what he shouldn't touch. We see it going on now. Well, what's so funny, neither of us have mentioned it. And yeah. I thought you were going to mention it up front. Literally today, uh -huh. uh, Donald Trump, president of the United States, yes. was arraigned downtown. I'm in Manhattan in New York Yeah, in a courthouse. You want to talk about lunacy? I mean, I don't care how much you hate Trump. If you love America, you understand this is the death of the rule of law. This is the death of America. This is the death of liberty and justice for all. If you go along with that, because it's one thing to hate somebody. It's another thing to say, we'll burn the whole country down to get that guy. We'll destroy the nation. It's like when Solomon, uh, the story of Solomon and the baby, when he says, OK, we'll cut the baby in half. And one mother says, no, 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 don't do that. And the other one's like, yeah, go ahead. There are people on the left, the woke left, they're yes. like, burn the whole country down. We don't care about the country. It's not our country. We hate this country. That's, that, that is not, it's clear that, that when people go there, um, you're, in, you're in uncharted territory. We've never been here before, but I, as you have said, I believe the Lord has allowed this for his purposes to kind of pave the way for what he's going to do. We don't know what he's going to do, but I believe he's going to do great things. I have faith that his hand is still on this nation, but the pastors have to wake up and one by one people are waking up. I believe it. The lunacy gets worse and worse and worse and more and more people without maybe saying anything, they're looking around thinking this is not normal. This is not politics. 
It's like lunacy has been unleashed. My children are suffering. They, the things they got to hear in school, the, the, who's going to speak up? The Lord wants his church to speak up. The Lord, Lord wants your pastor to speak up. You, well, it's very true. And, you know, I'll tell you something interesting that I want to get Eric's reaction on this, that the Lord had shown me when I was in Tulsa about a week and a half ago, and I flew up during the night to write this down. And this was before the indictment came down, even before what these these people, these crazy people are doing are doing. Um, Trump was the 45th president, right? Yeah. He's running now to be the 47th president. Four plus five is nine. Four plus seven is 11. Nine, 11. Nine, one, one. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I don't. I, wrote, I flew up like at midnight. It, I just flew up. I heard it. I wrote it down. I don't know how to respond to that. All I can tell you is. I mean, if you have any sense of history, you understand what we're living through now is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. There is, is being a revelation of the evil that it's been kind of covered over for decades. It is coming out. The, the, the evil on every level, the corruption, the brazen lying, the lying about the vaccine, about the election. This never happened in America before. We've been around 250 years. This has never happened before that wicked forces that hate America uh, have have effectively revealed themselves. And they reveal themselves, as you know, because of the advent of Donald Trump, by, by the Lord allowing Trump to become president. These people went out of their minds and they came out of the closet. They said, we can't hide anymore. We're going to say exactly what we think. And we're going to do act upon act upon act of utter desperation. We'll do anything. We'll impeach him. We'll impeach him again. We yep. will raid his home with the FBI. We'll raid the ho houses of anyone who's allied with him. We'll do anything. If they hadn't do that, people would done those things. People would still be sleeping. People would be like, well, you know, whatever well, things right. happen. But when you see these things, if you have a heart and a brain, you go, this is something's wrong. Something doesn't smell right. So I really do believe that this is a, a moment of national crisis like 9-11. 9-11, of course, did nothing. 9-11, people are just like, okay, let's go back. We'll, we'll, we'll go shopping again. We did not deal with yeah. our, our national sins. We did not deal with what was in the center of everything. And things only got worse. So that's the question is, where are we now? Well, that, you know, that is the question. And watching one after the other. There is an obsessiveness here um, to try and destroy him. There is oh. an obsessiveness to try to destroy him. People wake up. If he was one of them, they wouldn't be trying to destroy him. This is common logic right here. If he was one of them, they would not be working so hard to take him down. And we have to understand that, that, the, you know, that this is a t I could feel it last night. I kept waking up in the, uh, during the night and praying in the spirit because I could feel the heaviness. And on the eve of Passover, they arraigned. This is one of the stupidest ideas spiritually I have uh, ever seen people do in my life. <laughs> I'm just saying it. That's how I on feel. The eve of Passover. I mean, it is it is extraordinary, and you know, it, it's not like uh, we're, we're we're the first ones to say it, but th this is. 
enabling people to see the truth. It is enabling people to see like, wow, they are so desperate. We know why would they be so desperate? They are scared to death of Donald Trump. They are scared to death because he represents America. He represents us who care about liberty, who care about these kinds of things. They are, were on the verge of taking over and he interfered with their plans. Now we know it is the Lord who interfered with the plans, not Donald Trump. The Lord created Donald Trump and put him in the presidency for the Lord's purposes. But they are so scared. This is the level of desperation, Amanda, that they would never have done these things in the past, but they are freaking out because they know that that the end is near. If he ever gets back in the White House after what they've done to him, it's it's he is he's not the president that he was in 2016, 2017, where he was trying to play nice. He has seen what they have done. We have all seen what they have done. We didn't even know they existed. Now we do. And so we're awake. We're, we're, we're awake. And the question is, will enough pastors and churches and Christians wake up to join us in this battle? I mean, again, that's literally why I wrote the book, because I said, there are people in the middle that they're not getting this. They are not, they don't have a clue what's happening. And they just think, oh, we just want to kind of go back to the way it was before. We don't want to be political. They, in their minds, I guess they must think it's still 1985 and Tip O'Neill represents the Democratic Party. So, you know, we pretty much agree on a lot of stuff. And no, ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the Democratic Party has been given over to atheist Marxism. Uh, they are uh, working against every one of the principles of the founders and much of the Republican party is going along with them. That's the issue. So the question is, can, can the remnant arise uh, and, and, and rally those who would be rallied? That's, that's, that's where we are. You know, the interesting thing is the indictment came down between Purim and Passover. So literally in that very, very crucial window, the indictment comes down. If we take this back to Germany and and what you wrote about, when we get to Nuremberg, by the time they try to, to go scorched earth and they get caught, right? 10 Nazi officers are hung, just like the 10 sons of Haman with Purim. So, so, so it's an interesting thought here, you know, that they're, they're, they think they're, they're going to go for for total destruction and they're going to go scorched earth and they have a handle on it and in a moment in a moment almighty god can turn it if his people rise up we're supposed to carry the standard we are the standard god is raising that standard and he's in a way compelling his people kind of like when jesus after he was baptized he was compelled into the wilderness it wasn't a nicey nice thing he was literally thrown in there to now deal, you know, and go go through what he went through for forty days, and de- and deal with uh, with Satan tempting him, and so this is what's happening right now. We are being compelled. We are being thrown in. We have to carry the standard. We do, and in this hour, leadership who wants to lead for God, whether on a national level or not, has to completely come under the yoke of Almighty God right now. There's no more. There's no more in between. You Amen. must completely submit, surrender, and come under the yoke if you want to lead this hour. And the Lord Amen. will deliver you. He will. Amen. And and I really do believe what what's happening conversely is that if you do not 
repent and stand for God's purposes heroically. You know, being courageous is not extra credit Christianity. It is part and parcel of what it means. Do you actually believe? Oh, you do? Well, then you will have courage because you know Jesus defeated death on the cross. You don't hope. You know he defeated death on the cross. And, you know, at the end of Revelation, it talks about who's going to be cast in the lake of fire, the cowardly. So if you're a pastor or a Christian and you think somehow you can avoid this, the Lord in his love is trying to compel you to choose him. He will not let you down. He cannot let you down, but he cannot force you to choose him. And those churches that do not choose to follow him in this hour, they are already withering. They have been cursed like the fig tree. They are already withering. Those churches that are worried about numbers are already withering and the people are leaving because they're thinking, what is here for me? Happy, clappy, nothing. When the world is in flames, I'm not interested in that kind of a church. And everybody else, all kinds of people who don't go to church are thinking like, I'll go to a church that's that's keeping it real. That's talking about what is actually happening in the world. Suddenly I'm interested in, in Christianity if Christians are going to actually act like Christians. So I really do believe that there are churches that have been cursed like the fig tree. They are withering they're going to close their doors. They don't know what they're going to do. They're just they're just banking on the fact that everything will turn out okay in the end if we do nothing. That's what many German pastors were banking on, and we know how that went. It's extremely gruesome what happened, extremely. It, it, is, it is horrific. It is pure evil. And if you think about what's happening with the church and the Lord is dropping, and I've been warning of this for a while, and we're going to see this, we're going to see this come into full effect in, in this season, but the Lord is dropping a plumb line and a dividing line between the shepherds and the showmen. And this is going to become more and more apparent in this season than any That's other. Good. And the next yeah. wave now of Ichabod is going to be written above the doors of these churches. The next wave of Ichabod is coming in this season. Ichabod means the glory has departed. We're going to see that also. That's the, 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 what did you call it? The, the, the shepherds and the showmen. The showmen. It's classic. <laughs> the dividing line. <laughs> the showmen. Well, it's, it's, it's almost funny. It's heartbreaking, right? That they're, they're people that they, they like to do church. And you think like, whatever that is you do on Sunday morning, that's really got nothing to do with the historic church of Jesus Christ. That's a thing you do on Sunday morning. It's nice, but it's a fraction of a fraction of what God expects us to do. He expects us to be the church. We're supposed to do spiritual warfare in worship on Sunday morning and, and hear from the throne and then go out and bring that every day of the week. And there are a lot of people there, they've got their, their you know, absolutely buttoned up kind of they know how to do church and they got their budgets and they have everything perfect god is not going to bless that he's not into no. blessing that no the word of god says and these signs shall follow those who believe they shall heal the sick raise the dead cast out devils more devils have gotten into the church than I've seen at any other time. And they're just sitting there laughing in the pews because you know why? Nobody's casting them out. They put a welcome mat out like it's Club Med. Can, can you even imagine? I mean, I, I have to say it, it, it it's heartbreaking. How many churches, if you go in there and you're oppressed by a demon, they cannot help you in that church. So it's, how is it even horrible. a church if they don't even acknowledge this? They'd be like, well, 
well, you know, you can see a counselor or maybe take some drugs. Now, I'm not saying that everything is a demon, but there are tons of people dealing with spiritual oppression, with deep wounding. They need healing from God uh, in their inner man. And there are there are demons that are oppressing them because there's they have a place there in that wound. Many churches are completely dead to the spiritual reality that exists uh, uh, among us. Uh, I just had Greg Locke on my show. Uh, he was against this stuff. There were all kinds of people that were against it, and they're waking up and realizing, oh, yeah, this is the job of the church to cast out right. demons, to free people. Um, you know, and, and that's, I've had that's to do different. that many times with people. I mean, I've had to, yes, it's something. I've had to, yes. The Lord threw me in there about a year ago <laughs> and said, get in there, you're doing this. So, you know, I understand it well. We're, we're called to be the church and we're called to be involved in everything. And, and again, I mean, in, in, in the book, Letter to the American Church, I actually explain how the church in America got this bad idea. Like, how is it that we bought this lie that, oh, we're not supposed to be political. We can't comment on things. Um, and it started in 1954 when Lyndon Johnson, one of the most corrupt politicians who ever existed in America, a decreed through the IRS that if you say anything political, you can have your tax exempt status removed. So what did churches do in 1954? They meekly submitted instead of getting angry and saying, how dare you in America ever tell us what we can talk about from the pulpit? We will talk about anything we choose because this is, first of all, because it's America. And secondly, because we answer to God. We don't answer to governmental authorities, but that's how it started. And we kind of we kind of drank the Kool-Aid. We, we, we kind of internalized this so that a lot of Christians are like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're not supposed to be political. We're not supposed to be. That's not biblical, folks. It is not biblical. And there are many. It's interesting. It's kind of mission drift on the church, how you see that there's drift over the decades. And we buy these things that, you know, we have to go back and say, wait a minute, we made a mistake. We we sold our souls for for this idea. And there's a chapter in the book called the idol of evangelism where i talk about how some people have have made evangelism into an idol where they say we will not say one word that might be divisive because all we care about is saving souls and you think well of course you want to page 53 (laughs) of course you want to save souls but if you're not speaking truth if you if you're not giving people hope if you're not discipling people and what the word of god says and doesn't say and how we're supposed to be, if, if you are sticking to this thin seeker friendly pseudo gospel you're not That's doing any real evangelism at all you've right. made an idol of evangelism and you're you're not going to do real evangelism because you're 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 doing what jesus accused the pharisees of is you you, you know you're you're making a, you you travel over uh land and sea to make a convert and then he becomes twice the son of the devil that you are i mean it's it's the irony of chasing after numbers chasing after you know the idea of evangelism saying but we don't want to speak about this or this or this or this the lord calls you to speak the full counsel of scripture. And so a lot of people have kind of bought into this idea, like, well, I don't have to do that. Yeah, you do. You do have to do that. And Jesus spoke a lot of truth. He did not shy away from speaking truth in the face of the Pharisees, in the face of governmental authorities, in the face of the people. People think Jesus was this squishy little marshmallow that was just, you know, so just lovable. And Jesus was lovable, but love has many faces and people forget that. God is love, 
but love has many faces and he wouldn't be a good father if he didn't discipline and bring a rod of correction. And Jesus did the same thing. And Jesus flipped tables at one point, like a typical Bronx Italian man, went in the temple, <laughs> flipped everything, you know, really just made a scene to, to, to just profoundly prove a point of what they were doing. The only uh, difference and- between when Jesus flipped the tables, that was not following Zambuca. He just, he just, it was the Holy Spirit. All right. No, but when you say that today, like we think we, we forget about how much of a man he was to act in that way. Mm-hmm. Many pastors today would, they avoid that. It's like they're embarrassed by Jesus. Like he is a way to put it. He's not as holy as they are. And you think, wow, how have we redefined, uh, what it is to be a godly man in, in this, in this generation, to not be angry at corruption, to not be angry at, at the church becoming uh, a den of thieves. So it, it's, we're living in those times. And, you know, Amanda, I praise the Lord that we are um, basically, we're living in a time where what you say and think matters. We can't skate along anymore. The Lord has called us to choose and choose and choose. This is the hour. And again, again, that's why I wrote the book, because I said, there are good people who are just not getting it. We need to get them to get it. They need to understand that we've got to wake up now. Everything is at stake. It's not just America. It's the whole world. Um, so yep. praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's, it's choose this day whom you will serve. That is the question to the nation. That is the the what is posed to pastors right now in this hour. Choose this day. You cannot serve two masters. And a lot of them have been teetering between two masters. Right. And this is why now the church has done a split. Because you've teetered between two masters. And shepherds are supposed to be brazen when their flock is threatened. I know I have sheep at the sanctuary. I could, the Lord has taught me a lot about why he calls us sheep firsthand. Let me tell you, raising Moses has been an educational um, adventure for me with the Lord. Uh, and sheep will get out of line and they will try to headbutt you and knock you to the ground if you don't make it clear who is the authority. They will. They want to get into things they shouldn't. They're very smart animals. They're actually not dumb. They're just overly curious and they don't know what's good for them. Uh, And so, you know, this is kind of what in many ways the congregations have become. And the shepherds have opened up the doors to ravenous, hungry wolves going, oh, we have to show compassion. Oh, we have to be tolerant. I'm sorry. You can see a hungry, starving wolf in the field and throw them a chicken leg. And feed them and have compassion and not let them near your flock. Amen. Well, that's that. Yeah. And that's an issue of discernment. A lot of people just don't understand that, you know, we, it is compassionate to speak truth. It is compassionate to protect the flock from ravening wolves. That's compassion. Uh, It's compassionate to speak out against, socialist big government policies. Those policies are destroying lives. Now, if you don't care about those people whose lives are being destroyed, then you keep your mouth shut and say, oh, I don't want to be political. But if you care, you're going to say something. So we we really have, I mean, in any issue you talk about, um, the idea that the church is supposed to, we're just supposed to stick to the theological. 
That's complete garbage. The truth of God touches everything. I, I always quote, I know I quote it in the book, but there's a famous, there was a famous Dutch theologian and statesman who Chuck Colson used to quote this all the time. His name was Abraham Kuyper. And he said, there's not one square inch in all of creation over which Jesus Christ, who is sovereign, does not say mine. So everything, the government, uh, the media, the educational system, the medical system, everything is supposed to be under God's authority. And it's our job as the church to bring the Lord into those places. And if your pastor is not getting that, if he just says, well, it's just a little thing between you and Jesus, a little private thing, that's wrong. That is not biblical. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. Keep your faith totally private so it doesn't help anybody beyond yourself. The biggest lie the devil has fed the church is that it is wrong to operate in the authority of the believer. That has been fed to pastors and to congregations and given the authority of the believer through Christ Jesus. This is the hour where it has to rise up in us and come out like a geyser and the power of God touch down and be tangibly into these situations because we have been given that authority through Christ Jesus to operate. We, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down and destruction of strongholds. This is what we're called to do. And this is what we should be doing and operating in this. And if you don't understand how to operate in it, get the book, The Believer's Authority by Kenneth E. Hagan. It'll teach you. I just today uh, on my radio program had um, Mike Thompson on. He's written a book called Third Heaven Authority. Oh, I love Authority. him. I yes. love him too. And he's written a book called Third Heaven Authority. And it, it came out literally today. And it's basically about a lot of what you just said. I mean, we need to walk in the authority the Lord has given us. And the idea that I'm supposed to be passive and not supposed to, that is from the pit of hell. The Lord is calling his church to step up and to step into the authority that he died for us to have for his purposes, for his glory. Um, it, it, we really are, I, 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 I say this, that the church in America is at, it is at an impossible moment. It, 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 it couldn't be more crucial right yeah. now. And I don't, I don't just say this, you know me, this is not, we are at a moment now where if the church does not rise up, if people who are asleep do not wake up now, it's game over. The dark side will win. I don't believe that's, I know that's not the Lord's will, but the Lord no, will not God. force us to do the right thing. He is giving us an opportunity uh, to wake up, but we need to wake up. We need to repent of our sleeping and our, our silence. We need to repent and understand that the Lord deputized us for his purposes in this generation. Amen, Eric. He has deputized us and we have to really step into that and we have to own that and we have to walk in that boldness in this hour. There, there was a boldness that was upon Moses and Aaron and Esther and Hezekiah and those leaders that David, when he faced off against, there was a boldness from God. You know why? Because they knew the covenant. And I'm going to say this real quick because I know, I know you have to go because you're all dressed up. <laughs> It's a good to, to, to run out the door and do what you have to do. But three days before the indictment, the school shooting in Nashville happened. The name of that school was Covenant. 
that was the sign the covenant is under attack, that a full-blown attack was going to be launched against the covenant of this nation. When Goliath did that, you know what David did? This brazen shepherd boy, he stood up, he looked at him, and he said, how dare this uncircumcised Philistine curse the armies of the living God because he knew the covenant. And when the covenant got attacked and you responded appropriately, God stepped in and responded. Amen and amen. Praise that is God. beautiful. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord, Eric. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Chris and well, I love you. It's a boy. I love you. And Suzanne sends her love. And oh, I, I got to tell you, we, um, we just, we just thank God for you. And it's just an honor to be on here. Anytime I get to talk to you on camera or off, it's just a blessing. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Eric. You're such a blessing. Once again, his book, Letter to the American Church for the next week. If you email us at a hello at arcofgrace-ministries.com, we will purchase a copy for you. I, I just thought before we go off, I forgot to mention my website. I want to tell oh, please, people yeah, please give because, it to I was right off, because I was canceled from YouTube. Really devastating. Really devastating. Uh, this is almost two years ago. Uh, please sign up at my website. Just for my newsletter, I sent out the interviews yep. uh, mm -hmm. that I do uh, with different people, all kinds of stuff. But just go to ericmetaxas.com. If you can spell it, it's Greek, Eric metaxas.com there That's we go it. thank you thank you thank you eric god bless you we'll talk soon i hope okay yes Amen. we will most definitely okay and that concludes our interview with eric metaxas um i wanted to share a few very quick things it's only going to take about three minutes but i have to talk to you today about some things that happened during the arraignment so Basically, what happened is the Lord told me to watch the time that Trump entered the courtroom. So I watched the time. It was 2.30 p.m. when he entered the courtroom. 30 was the amount of pieces of silver Jesus was betrayed for and on the eve of Passover. He exits the courtroom at 3.25 p.m. If you add that up, you get the number 10. There were 10 plagues in Egypt. Okay, this happens on the eve of Passover. So I'm, I'm showing you these things to show you how prophetic this really is and what's going on. Um, another interesting thing, Alvin Bragg was scheduled to speak at 3.30 p.m. for a press conference. It was actually scheduled on uh, Fox News, had it scheduled for 3.30 p.m., uh, 330 was the number of tons of silver Haman said he would pay into the king's treasury for the destruction of the Jews. That number, 330, also contains the two betrayals of Jesus. Peter denied him three times and Judas betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. So I find this just all very just interesting. Um, on the eve of Passover, even the time entering court and exiting court is profound right now. So the Lord has me watching every little thing that is going on to, to connect it for me uh, and to show me so I can prophetically connect it and I can talk about it with you. Um, they did arrive almost an hour early uh, to the courthouse. I could feel the heaviness during the night. I was praying in the spirit. I could feel the heaviness this morning. Um, and so 
we just need to really pray right now. We need to pray. We need to stand. And we really need to understand and utilize the believer's authority right now. We have the authority and the access to petition the throne of God for intervention. But God also expects us to use the authority he's given us and speak into the vein of a situation in order for change. Prayer is an effective weapon. The fervent effectual prayers of a righteous man availeth much. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That is in the book of Hebrews. So we have to understand something that if he was one of them, they would not be working so hard for over four years now to destroy him. If he was one of them. Okay. That they, that's not how they roll. Okay. They're, 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 they're taught agreement early on. So we have to look at that. And we also have to understand something that the Lord is allowing this and he's going to allow this also to humble, to come under a yoke, to deal in order for the preparation of what he's doing. So it looked hopeless when Purim happened, before Purim in the book of Esther, it looked hopeless when the Jews were enslaved by Egypt. God thrives in the impossible. As long as God is on the throne, we have hope. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is not in man. He is far above these man-made systems, and we have to understand that. But wickedness, why is wickedness advancing so much in this hour? The enemy hates Passover. And he hates that 50-day period between Passover and Pentecost because that is the testimony that Jesus rose from the dead, appeared to many, and when he went back up to be with the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, was sent to earth as our counselor, as our comforter. The enemy knows this. This is a powerful time of year for believers. That's why we're doing the Passover Seder this Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live. This is a blessing to partake in the Passover. It is a blessing for the people of God to partake in it. So I just want to remind you of that as we close today. God bless everybody. Keep the faith. We thank Eric for joining us as well and for his time. And we will be back on, I think, at the end of the week. Unless something else comes, uh, then we're going to be back on sooner than that because I feel a word stirring. I have felt it for two days now stirring in me. Uh, and so we'll see when that comes forth. But I definitely can feel it. So uh, when that comes forth, we will definitely go live with it. So God bless everyone. Keep the faith. We love you. Armor up according to Ephesians chapter 6, Psalm 91, every day. That is like your contract. I recite that every day. We need to do that right now as well. Be in the word. Be on the meat. Get off the milk. Get on to the meat and grow in the word and go higher and deeper with the Lord right now in this season. God bless everyone. Hello, everyone. This is Amanda Grace, and I wanted to tell you, if you are interested in where you should invest financial matters. If 
Precious metals, if gold and silver is something that you should invest in or should be a part of your portfolio, please go to bh-pm.com. That is bh-pm.com. Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Andrew Sorcini, who has been on Art of Grace before, he loves to answer our viewers' questions, is more than happy to guide you and to answer your questions and to help you in those financial matters. So please go to bh-pm.com today. Thank you, everyone. God bless. You want to support an amazing patriot that's doing so much for our country and be a blessing, you can go to MyPillow.com and use promo code ARK, A-R-K, to save up to 66% or sometimes more off of all MyPillow products. They are so much more than just pillows. They have amazing bathrobes. They have sheets. They have slippers. They, of course, have pillows. And they even have dog beds. And I will tell you a fun fact, Noble, our pig at the animal sanctuary that many of you know and love, has indeed slept on a MyPillow dog bed. So if you'd like to be a blessing, go to MyPillow.com and use promo code ARC. God bless everyone. If you are looking for an excellent doctor, if you are looking to get healthier, if you are looking for guidance, go to Sherwood.tv forward slash Amanda Grace. Dr. Mark Sherwood and his lovely wife, Dr. Michelle, have the Functional Medical Institute in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Both myself and my husband, Chris, and let me tell you, God bless Dr. Sherwood because Chris was a tough nut to crack on this. But Chris is finally on board and we are both patients of his. I have to tell you, they have helped us tremendously. They also have an amazing line of products that are excellent for your health and can help you get your health back on track. So if you would like to make an appointment with them or you want to go see uh, what they are all about, what products they have, you can go to Sherwood.tv forward slash Amanda Grace. If you would like to grow your own food with what we see going on right now in the world with not only food supplies, but what they are doing to our food, you can go to amandagracegrows.com. These are amazing hydroponic growers. In fact, we have one in our parrot room, and this is an indoor one we have where you can grow food all year round, actually. Vegetables all year round. And we are doing that, actually, for our birds and our animals at our sanctuary. They also have outdoor ones. They actually yield 30% more and grow the vegetables three times faster. So if you would like to learn more, go to amandagracegrows.com. God bless. And I have to tell you something, they work. It is an alternative to big pharma based on quantum physics, over 40 scripture verses written into these patches for everything from blood sugar, anxiety, pain, neuropathy, to immune system boost, dog pain. They are very sincere about um, having alternatives to big pharma. We are a big advocate of natural solutions to help with pain and, and, and blood sugar and a host of other issues. I yeah. tried the pain patches and yeah, I gave them I to my uh, VP of operations also, Ronnie. And she said they worked as well. She was yeah. quite shocked, actually, but she said they worked so, and they worked when I used them. When you connect it to your body, the skin patch changes your brainwaves. This one is neuropathy. I actually have it on and we use this on Toby, actually, because Toby's about eight years old. And from being paralyzed years ago and the Lord miraculously healing him. He has a little leftover with his joints and his hips. So we actually give him the doggy pain patches. What was he doing? He was running? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I plucked him out, and wow, he's boom. And he got power. I said, no way. And I don't know. I said, Amanda, what? What did you do to him? To <laughs> so it's good. Hello, everyone. It's Amanda Grace. I'm coming to you today to talk to you about Reawaken America. I have been humbled and honored to be a part of Reawaken America since April 2021, when the first one was had at Rima Bible College in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I have to say, I have watched so many amazing moments happen for the glory of God at Reawaken America. And seeds get planted in the lives of those that are still seeking the Lord. We have seen many people uh, get set free, healed, delivered. Uh, we love to pray over people at Reawaken America. Um, I have prayed with so many uh, amazing people, which include Marty Grisham from Loudmouth Prayer, Prayer, Pastor Todd Coconado, uh, who also deals in deliverance as well. And it has been uh, an honor and a privilege to pray for so many people, to be able to minister to them, for my husband Chris to be able to minister as well, and uh, for, for Clay and General Flynn to allow me to, to even speak there, to even speak and, and speak what the Lord has to say. People need the word of the Lord in this hour. That is what they need. Uh, and so Reawaken America has been a chance for people to come and not only hear the word of the Lord um, and hear biblical teaching and be prayed for, but also to get necessary information they need because the word of God says it is the knowledge of the truth that will set you free. Um, and so it's been an incredible experience for us. We hope to see you at upcoming events uh, that are coming up this year. Uh, and we are excited to see you there. God bless everyone.